Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. It's a sure sign everybody's spending way too much time on their devices right now with this freezing cold weather all over the country, and I guess professional athletes are not immune to that either. Kalen Saunders of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's having maybe what people would consider a breakout year, looks like he's going to be a terrific player in this league for a long, long time in his future with the Chiefs. He'll need a new contract next year or a franchise tag or something like that to stay here in Kansas City, but it looks like Colin Saunders is not the happiest guy in the world with Chiefs fans. And I've learned throughout my career, much of this comes from the immaturity of being a young player that is suddenly, personally, professionally coming into their own. That Saunders knows he's becoming a very, very good player in the NFL. That he is on the the cusp of something great, not just the possibility of winning a Super Bowl this year or winning all these football games, but a massive contract, which we should never forget is the main reason, once, once athletes turn professional, it's the main reason they are driven. The main reason they are driven is the big contract because they all dream of it. I've always said about the, the franchise tag in the NFL. Every player that ever got the franchise tag complained about it. Every player that ever got the franchise tag dreamed of it. You can't make that up. I mean, all throughout their high school, college years, whatever, they would give... They'd give their left pinky toe to someday become a franchise player in the NFL. If you said, hey, you're 19 years old, you're just starting to play a little bit in college, your future is you'll be a franchise tag player in the NFL. Oh, that's so great. That's great. That means you're one of the very best at your position in the NFL, and you're destined to make hundreds of millions of dollars. That really is the goal. If you ask any player, would you rather win a Super Bowl in your career or make $100 million, they're going to take the money. I know that sounds crazy. Once they get there, things can change. Priorities can change. Patrick Mahomes has all the money in the world. For him now, it's probably about racking up Super Bowls. I think he understands that his he will never be known for making money. What he's going to be remembered for is how many did you win? Did you win more than Aaron Rodgers? Peyton Manning has a pair. Eli Manning has a pair. Rodgers has one. Did you beat those guys? Or are you that great quarterback that racks up numbers and only wins one in your career? Well, he's got a lot of years to win more. It's looking harder and harder for him. But for Kalen Saunders, he's just now figuring out that he is a terrific NFL player. And maybe he's a little bored with the cold weather. He's staying inside. He's on his iPhone too much. He's reading way too much social media because he got into it with the Chiefs fans. He's not happy. Chiefs fans are not very happy with the pass rush this year. The Chiefs, statistically, their pass rush is very good. It's among the best in the NFL. Saunders went to Twitter, blasted some Chiefs fans from being critical, put the numbers up of the Eagles, the Cowboys, put them in order, and I think he had the Chiefs fourth in the NFL in sacks this year. And again, Saunders himself is having a terrific year, so he's taking this personally, that Chiefs fans think the pass rush isn't good enough. Now, I can argue that the Chiefs pass rush racks up a lot of sacks, pressures, and statistics while leading. But you can say the same thing about the other teams that are up there. It's the Eagles. It's the Cowboys. These are all double-digit win teams. So maybe that's just what these statistics are about now. Winning teams rack up more sacks because they're leading at the end of the game. Teams get desperate. All they do is throw. It becomes easier. It's an overstatement, but I've always thought stats are for losers. Okay, go win the game. I'm going to watch you with my eyes, and I'll let you know if I think you're a really good player. I think Saunders is terrific. I think Chris Jones is an absolute stud. I think Frank Clark is an underachiever. I think the Chiefs' defense will get better. And in a month, when they're in the playoffs, I think it'll be better than it is today. Mostly because they have so many young players on that defense. I think they'll figure some things out. The pass rush is okay. It's good. It's not great. It's not the best in the league. It certainly is not a problem. It's it's okay. It is not... It's not such a gaping hole in disaster that the Chiefs can't possibly win the Super Bowl. That's not what the Chiefs' pass rush is. And do they rely on blitzes a lot to get sacks? They do. They do, but not always. Not always. So Saunders went to social media and just 
basically he suggested y'all won't have me. You, you won't be able to complain very long because I'm going to be out of here. His contract is his first contract is up after this year. But as you know, if the Chiefs want Saunders on their team, they control him. They can franchise tag him. They can sign him to a long-term deal. There's a million things they can do to change this narrative if the Chiefs want Saunders there. The beauty of the NFL is you never lose a player that you really want. Never. Never. If you want that player, you always retain him. The rules are set up for teams to retain their best players. And that's a beautiful thing in this league. The Packers have held on through all this turmoil to Aaron Rodgers. They've held on to him forever. Now, they may be done with him. But that's going to be their choice at this point. You know, there, there can always come a time. The Niners were done with Joe Montana. The Colts were done with Peyton Manning. The Patriots were done with Tom Brady. There's always a time where you say, okay, maybe this isn't worth it anymore. Or we've just been doing this too long. We don't like each other anymore. We're going a different direction. All of those things can happen. But I don't think that time is now for the Chiefs and Kalen Saunders. And for him to be feuding with Chiefs fans is just silly. It comes from a place of immaturity. Chris Jones was one of the players this week that they offered up to the media to do interviews. And he says, man, I told him, stay off Twitter, forget it. He said, stay off Twitter, bro. He's trying to be an older player, give him some advice. And I think what he's trying to say is, it's a small minority of Chiefs fans out there that are complaining. But on Twitter, it feels like it's the majority of fans. And that is the essence of Twitter. That really is the essence of social media. This has been around forever. A hundred years ago, they'd say the squeaky wheel gets the oil. All right, now it's, you see what Twitter is. Stay off. Saunders needs to either stay off or just do what I do. I, I, look, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not even that great on Twitter. I use it. I like it. I like to retweet things more than anything else, but I, I'm on Twitter. I follow other things on Twitter. I like to get information off of Twitter. It is not hard. Let me tell you something that's not hard. It is not hard to read tweets from people you want to follow. Okay, that's real simple. And I follow people in sports and politics on Twitter. That's who I follow. I get to select who I follow. Okay, I follow the people I want. If I don't like them, I don't follow them anymore. And then I post things that I want to post. The easiest thing in the world for me, the single easiest thing of my job is not reading replies to my tweets. I couldn't care less what anybody thinks about what I tweet. I tweeted it for people to read, and I know that, and I've learned through the years, that if 100 people read a tweet, there could be 95 people that like it, and you don't hear from a single one of them. And the five people that hate it are going to blast you. I've, I've lived this. This is, this is nothing. It is nothing. It is America. Free speech is a beautiful thing. I support everybody's right to do that. But Galen Saunders is really showing how young and immature he is here by trying to go back on Twitter and spar with Chiefs fans, and it's just not productive. I hope the Chiefs intervene a little bit here. I do think there's probably a, a five-minute sit-down with Andy Reid at some point saying, look, just let's do this. Between now and whenever our last game is, just drop it. Just drop the social media. Just, just go into hibernation. Lock in for me. Focus on everything we're doing here every day, and let's go win some football games. It's going to pay off for the team, and it's going to pay off for you. Whether it's here or somewhere else, lock in, forget that stuff, go play football, pay attention. You, we got six weeks at most here, right? We got about six weeks at most. Come on, man. Let's get this thing together and, and go strong to the finish line. Then when the season's over, you can just spend the whole offseason on Twitter. I don't care. Probably deserves a sit down. It's going to be a wild one at Arrowhead Saturday. We saw it wasn't even that cold in New York last night, the Jets game, and the offenses struggled in the elements. It was raining there, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of low-scoring games. That This cold is really going to keep the clock moving. I think we're going to see a run-pass ratio that is unlike we've seen in any week all year this week. I think there's going to be a lot of running or attempting to run the football and some faster games. I still think you're crazy if you're going out there. My man John Hutchins from Amazing Garage Floors is going to the game. He sent me a text. He's got some bus that's all heated and, you know, the whole deal. He goes, man, we're going to wait until five minutes before kickoff. We're going to run in there, watch the game. We'll get back on my bus. It'll be great. Like, dude, I love you, but I am not going to the Chiefs game with you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am not going to the Chiefs game with you, Hutch. But you are an amazing fan. That's why he named it Amazing Garage Floors. And you know what? He, I think he loves the Royals more than the Chiefs. I love about our, our, our sponsors. I love that about them. They really, truly are all conservative 
great patriots, great Americans, but they love sports. They absolutely love it. Seem to have found a, a pretty nice niche here. College basketball, the Kansas Jayhawks beat Harvard at Allen Fieldhouse on Thursday night. It was a lackluster effort by the Jayhawks. It was one of those games where Bill Self was benching players. He got mad at them. He'd throw them on the bench and try to set an example and send them home for the holidays for something to think about. It was a teaching moment. Bill Self's so good at having these teaching moment games where he doesn't have to scream at his players. They know he's pissed, and they're on the bench. And then he, he probably told them after the game last night, that was pathetic. I don't want to see you guys get the hell out of here for a few days. I'm so mad. I don't know what to do. Not to ruin their holidays, but to send them home and keep them thinking about what they're going to do when they come back. What Bill Self, the seed he likes to plant is, you know I'm going to work you like a dog when you get back. It's going to suck for you. I'm going to work you like a dog. Go eat your prime rib. Go do whatever you do for the holidays. When you Just know this. I'm not happy. When you get back here, I'm taking it out on you. Go enjoy your holidays, boys. Thank you so much for being here. It's a, it's a great way to coach. It's, it's so many ways it's better than screaming. Kansas gets the win, and Bill Self, after the game, just credited the fans for showing up at Allen Fieldhouse. Now, they're not as crazy as Chiefs fans, but there's still a little bit of walking to be done from a lot of places on that campus to get to Allen Fieldhouse in this cold weather. So any fans that are going out anywhere, congratulations to them. And it was nice of Bill Self to tip his cap to the fans and say, thanks for packing this place. They did beat Harvard. They didn't play great, did not play great. Uh, but the Big 12 season is up, and I, I just don't see a challenger to Kansas in this league. I don't. I thought maybe Texas, but with Chris Beard out, I, I don't see it. Baylor, I think, is good, but I don't think they're Big 12 championship ready. And it's going to be a really interesting race in, in the Big 12. And Kansas State is 11-1. and one out of nowhere, with not a good schedule. They're like 88th in the country, 90th in the country in schedule strength. But 11-1 is 11-1, and they put themselves in a position where they could go 7-11 and and make the tournament. That 7-11, and they're going to have to either beat Kansas or a couple of wins against the teams that finish second or third. They have nothing on their resume right now that's going to put them in the tournament other than just flat-out wins. They just don't – at some point, you have to have a couple of wins. You know, at the end of the year where they go, okay, best wins – you got to have something up there. And right now there isn't one. It's not that they haven't tried. They played LSU and beat them. They played Cal. You would think, okay, they played Cal. Cal started the season, what, 0-11? I mean, they're historically bad. It sounds like you played somebody, but you didn't really play anybody. The hardest game they had was at Butler, and they got smoked pretty good in that game. So we'll see what happens with Kansas State, but they are 11-1. The real story here is the Missouri Tigers. And what they did on Thursday night. Because this one, to me, Missouri has played games like this this year against lesser opponents. They've gotten us all very excited about Dennis Gates and what he's doing at Mizzou. And we thought, wow, look at this outfit. This is something else, man. They swarm the ball. They take it away from you. They score easy baskets. And they win by scoring a gazillion points. They score 90. But then they played Kansas. And we went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Boy, is Missouri in trouble. Well. Let's just recognize Kansas is on a different level. I have very controversially said, as people don't believe me, Kansas' best game with this team this year, they're not as deep. They're not the perfect team. Their best game is better than their national championship team last year because of Grady Dick. He had something that Kansas only had sporadically. Kansas would, game to game, they could go three games without very good three-point shooting then have one really good three-point shooting game. They give them something that you have to defend. You just have to say, look, we can't let Grady Dick beat us. We can't let this guy go over a six-minute stretch and hit five three-pointers because we're beat at that point. That will be the run. That's where we're dead. It's over. You have to defend Grady Dick on the perimeter. It changes a lot for Kansas. He adds something that they – it's not that they have not had three-point shooters. They just haven't had one like him. It's insane. But Missouri's been that team that you watch, and you go, okay, look at this. They're winning all these games. They're 11-1. They beat everybody. Until they did what they did to Illinois, you couldn't really buy in, hey, are they going to beat Kentucky? Are they going to beat some of the better teams in the SEC? How do they stack up when they go play Alabama? Well, you play a wild, frenetic game. You go up and down the floor. First team to 90 wins, and Missouri seems to be really good at that. And wow, was Illinois not ready for this. 
Now, Missouri is one of the oldest teams in the country. These transfers that all came in are veteran guys. Illinois is very young. A lot of coaches say, oh, we're young. I hate hearing that. And I don't really care because Brad Underwood's making enough money in Illinois that he should be embarrassed by what happened to him on Thursday night. Missouri delivers the largest margin of victory in the history of the series, a 22-point win, 93-71. Kobe Brown, 31 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, 4 steals. Des Moines Hodge had 20. Uh, it's, it's just insane what Missouri did. At one point in the first half, they scored 10 straight points. They went on a 20-2 run, and this game was over. I mean, it was over, and you could see it. Underwood kind of stopped coaching. They played it out like it was an AAU game. During that stretch, Illinois went 0 for 9 from the field with seven turnovers. Now, you can blame Illinois for the seven turnovers, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to credit the Tigers with seven takeaways because they have done this consistently this year. And in almost, in it, well, not almost, against everyone they've played except Kansas, they've had a stretch where they take the ball away from you and they play a little defense. The other team misses some shots and Mizzou goes wild. This was their wildest against their best opponent. And it's legit. Missouri now has an outstanding, as of today, an outstanding tournament resume. They have the record. They now have a good, they beat number 16 in the country. It's expected that Illinois will stay there somewhere in the top 25 or right near the top 25. So they've got a good win. It's reasonable to believe that Missouri is going to beat some good teams in the SEC as well. Can all three of these schools make the tournament? I guess anything's possible. Kansas State's going to have the toughest climb. They need marquee wins. They're going to need two or three wins against some teams that are really good in order to get there. KKHI is brought to you by 360 Document Solutions, online at 360documentsolutions.com. The first of the year is a great time to reset your business. Um, I went to uh, Advanced Medical Imaging the other day in, in Lawrence, and I saw their copiers in there, and their machines behind the desk all had 360 Document Solutions stickers on them or the logos that they put on there. They've switched to better equipment and become more profitable. Why wouldn't you and your company do it? Just call Mark Lindquist at 913-745-5344 online at 360documentsolutions.com. Fry Orthodontics, 13 locations in Kansas City. Get the perfect smile for life. Whether it's Invisalign or braces, your first appointment is always free. Go for the consultation this year. This is the year to do it. Fix that smile. You can do this. They even have financing options available online at fryorthodontics.com where your smile is just the start. And Cross Kitchens KC, online at crosskitchenskc.com, Kansas City's remodeler. You got a project for your house? This is the company you want to meet. And I'm not saying don't meet others. Go ahead and interview others. Meet with other companies. What you're going to find out about Cross Kitchens is you've got a lot in common with Tim Cross, the owner and his family-owned business what he believes in, and the service and quality of the work. Says it all. They're not the biggest in town, which is great for you. That means when it's time to do your job, they're on it. Most jobs take two weeks or less. When it's your turn, it's your turn. You get all the attention. CrossKitchensKC.com. Okay, we had Danny Klinkscale on the Patreon podcast on Thursday. Once a week, we do what we call Between the Lines 2.0, and I have Danny on. And it goes to the patrons, and they're really good. Yesterday was a long one. We probably did a 40-minute patron podcast. And Danny's terrific. We focus mostly on sports. And we weren't, we're not going to play it all for you. We've done that from time to time. We encourage you to become a patron if you'd like to and get the bonus podcast and the newsletter every weekend, which is very popular. For some reason, people like the newsletter better than the patron podcast. Maybe I should write more. Who knows? Anyway, one of the things we talk about there that we don't do much on this podcast is talk about golf, but there was big news this week that the Masters is going to allow players from the new Live Golf Tour to play in the Masters. This was the least surprising sports story of the week for me, which is why it didn't garner a lot of attention. But it says a lot about what's going on between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, which have lawsuits against each other. Largely, publicly, this has been a fight between Tiger Woods and the PGA Tour, and Phil Mickelson, and Live Golf. They've been rivals their whole life. I'm just telling you from the argument standpoint, and we'll talk about this in this clip I'm going to play for you, from the, the standpoint of the business side of this thing, Phil is right. No doubt in my mind. There's also no doubt, and I've been saying for months, the PGA Tour needs to come to the table and negotiate something with Live, and they need to coexist. The Masters just sent a huge message to the PGA Tour. You better figure it out 
because all we care about, now, now understand this about the Masters. They're not involved with either tour. Okay, the Masters is its own entity. They hold a tournament. They have their own rules for qualification to play in that tournament, and it is the best tournament in the world. This cannot be disputed. It's the best tournament in the world. It's oftentimes the smallest number of, of great players in the world. They take people internationally that wouldn't make it into other tournaments. All those things are true, but this is what the Masters clings to. They want the Masters to be that tournament, a global event where they alone decide who's in and who's not, and they're saying we're taking live golfers. So when Danny was on the Patron podcast yesterday, I asked him, is it time for the PGA Tour to sit down and negotiate with live golf? No, not yet. Because I think there's still, even even with the comments of Augusta National, they really kind of showed that they were just holding their nose and and allowing the players in. And I think what they think is that if we allow the system to play out the way we think it will be, then these players either will not stay with Live or they won't be playing in the Masters because they won't reach any of our qualifications, which right now, in you know, except for performing in that tournament, are uh, the biggest one is still world golf ranking points. Now they can extend an invitation to anybody they want. Uh, but still one of the a- actual qualifications they use. And one of the most important ones is the, is the world rankings. And these guys still aren't going to get world ranking points for playing uh, live golf tournaments. And the live golf tournaments have expanded to the point where they're probably not going to play that many tournaments besides the live golf tournaments. And it's hard to maintain a world ranking. I don't think the Masters really likes what Liv is doing, but I don't think they felt like this was the time to fight the battle. There's still issues going on in court. So, uh, they, you know, they don't, they, they, it's not their place right now not. to make that decision. It's not, but they, I'm going to tell you, they're going to hold firm. They want the best golfers in the world in their tournament. That's what they want. And there may only be a few of them on the Live Tour, but they want those guys in the tournament because they do not want their tournament Tarnished in any way. Here's something that Kyle Porter from CBS Sports tweeted out this week, Danny. I don't know if you saw this or not. I'm not trying to spring it on you. I'll read you all the information so you have it. I thought this was great. Phil Mickelson said the PGA Tour is sitting on $800 million, just squatting on it. Tiger Woods responded to Phil by saying, we took, we, meaning the PGA Tour, we took out an enormous loan during the pandemic. Then Phil dropped the mic with the best tweet I've seen. I'm telling you, here's what you're not going to beat Phil at anymore. You can beat him at golf. You're not going to beat him at business numbers, okay? The guy's too into it. Phil Mickelson tweets, PGA Tour IRS form number 990 from 2018, $1.6 billion in stocks, $700 million in cash, $1.15 billion in non-liquid assets. This is from the nonprofit section of the PGA Tour. The for-profit section hasn't been stated publicly since 2012, but was more than the nonprofit part at that point in time. This can all be Googled. Now Mickelson is saying there could be as much as $6 billion at hand by the PGA Tour. And one of the arguments I've made all along, which is the same thing I make with the baseball players, I think a Major League Baseball player making $700,000 a year is really nice, but you're worth more than that. With all the money that's being spent, the, the lower players should be making more. Guys on the PGA Tour can't hardly survive out there sometime unless they're in the top 125. I think they should get guaranteed Travel, expenses, caddy fees, hotels, everything just to be in a tournament if they're qualified to be in a tournament. And Phil is sitting here saying they're sitting on billions of dollars in the bank. I think Phil's right. Well, I think he was right. But I think that now, some of it pressured by Liv, we do have a minimum. I mean, you basically are guaranteed if you you get a tour card this year, you're guaranteed $500,000. Now, that certainly is enough to pay your caddy and your travel and your entry fees and everything else. Now, that is a, it's a draw against what your earnings are. If you make 700000 you don't get anything. Uh, but if you make two fifty, you get 500 So they're starting to do stuff like that. The purses are way up. I'm sure that number is a lot different right now. And certainly some of it is, has been driven by Lib. There's no question about it. Uh, but, for instance, I think that, it's still a situation where, but Brooks Kepka's average finish, not Brooks Kepka, uh, Pat Perez's average finish in the live golf tournaments he played last year was, was 38 and he made like $16 million or something like that. I mean, that, that's not the type of thing that people have admired about golf in the past where you had to earn your, earn right. your way. I am with you. And 
So, I, you know, we, what we all hope is that somehow, some way, everybody's going to start playing in the best tournaments. That doesn't mean they have to always play the best tour. But if, if Liv is going to have this many tournaments, I mean, if they had six tournaments or something a year, I'd probably be more inclined to say, hey, yeah, let's sit down and work this thing out. But now they're up to 14. And if but you that, play 14 and you play the majors, that's about it. That's about it. That's I know, all you're going to play. But that's why I said when it, when it was sitting at six, that was the time to negotiate. Find your number, PGA Tour, and say, hey, this is what we'll allow. Let's sign a 10-year agreement and let's go forward. I thought it was pretty funny. And, and it, look, to me, this is just like the war in well, Ukraine. It's kind of hard to negotiate with somebody who's suing you. Well, agreed. But, well, it's not, and I've said this about the war in Ukraine. How come nobody's even thought about sitting down at a table and ironing this thing out? I, I don't get it. They're just going to sit there and destroy that country and we're going to rebuild it? I, I don't even get, I don't even understand the logic behind any of this. Why? We, we all hate war. People, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. They're fighting in trenches like World War I style. How come somebody isn't saying, damn it, let's get to a table and figure this out and stop killing each other? And to me, it's the same thing in golf. And I loved what Kyle Porter tweeted. I, I, he's really fun to follow on Twitter. He said, with these numbers in hand, uh, let's just stop with this. Let's get Tiger versus Phil with golf carts playing at Augusta. Losers tour gets shut down. Winners tour gets to keep going and they get four majors added to their career total. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, somebody somebody else tweeted, if we don't have... If we don't have Phil, Rory, and Sergio in the same group, let's not even bother playing the Masters. On yeah. There you <laughs> go. Year. So there's, there's lots of dynamics there. It's going to, you know, no matter what, I, th I think that the Masters had to sit there and say, what's worse? If we don't have these people here and everybody talks about that all week, or we have them here and everybody talks about whether they're all going to get along or not. So, I mean, it's going to be a big issue no matter what. It's going to be a distraction no matter what. They just had to decide which distraction they wanted. Great exchange there with Danny Klinkscale, who I think is coming toward my side on this. And I know it hurts him because he loves the PGA Tour, and I do too. But the one constant in the world is change. And when more money comes along, and we, we just heard the numbers of how many billions of dollars the PGA Tour is sitting on, that they're not funneling down to the players. You can see why Live Golf saw all this and said, we can just go in and make a dent on these guys. What the Masters wants, all they want, is to be the best tournament for the Masters. That's really, truly all they want. Program note, you can get all of Danny's content at dannyclinkscale.com. He just did a long interview with Jim Colbert, who won 35 PGA and Senior Tour events. And it's going to be going up as a two-part podcast very soon at dannyclinkscale.com. Also on Wednesday, Danny Klinkscale will be at the 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence for the KU Arkansas Bowl game. It's a watch party. Game kicks off around 5.30, I believe. Danny will be there. Kevin and Jessica are going to try to make it. We're going to do our best to be there with Danny that day, and we'd love to see any and all KU fans out there for the bowl watch party at the 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence, which is owned by Matt Llewellyn, who's been a friend of mine for many, 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 many years. And I'll let you know next week on the podcast if indeed for sure that we are going to make it. But Danny will be there. That's Wednesday the 23rd, KU Arkansas, 530, 23rd Street Brewery. And soon at his website, dannyclinkscale.com, you can hear the podcast with Jim Colbert. He's already texted me. He said Colbert was just terrific. He just tells old stories about the greatest players ever. Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, Lee Trevino. I think you're really going to like it. Okay, let's do something not sports. Yeah, this maybe is politics. It's maybe is politics, Okay. Journey is a band that everybody knows. Most people, most people, because they're, they're okay, Journey has one song that is the best-selling digital song from the 20th century. It's called Don't Stop Believing." You've heard it. Everybody knows it. There are hun probably hundreds of millions of people on earth that only know that one Journey song. Okay, so this is the important context to this story I'm going to read for you. Not that the band doesn't have millions of other fans that know all the other songs. I love Journey. I kind of like Stone in Love more than the other songs. That's the one I like. I just like the guitar riff in it. Um, it's just, it's a little different than the other Journey songs. There's something a little more rock in it and not, it's just a great song. Stone in, I love Stone in Love. So that's my Journey recommendation for you. I've seen Journey probably five times. My buddy uh, T-Bone has seen Journey probably 25 times. And Don't Stop Believing is his anthem. Everybody has a band. Everybody has a song. Everybody has a thing. 
It's his. He goes every year. They're on, they, they, they've never stopped touring. They tour and tour and tour, and he goes and sees them in Vegas and Nashville and wherever he wants, in Kansas City, wherever they are, he goes and sees Journey. He gets the VIP tickets. He's met the band members. He's got the album things on the wall in his man cave. He's got it all. He's got a Journey room in his house. They converted an upstairs bedroom. He's, not, he's never had kids. They got all these bedrooms upstairs in their house, and one of them could have been a nice kid's bedroom, but they, it's, it's just the Journey room in his house. So there are millions of Journey fans. And this just has to be crushing them. Right in front of the holidays, this band is having a throwdown public brawl. Here's the backstory. Jonathan Kane plays keyboards. Jonathan Kane was in a band called The Babies. And Journey was a fledgling kind of progressive alt-rock band in San Francisco. They were good. There was something there, but they needed parts. They went out, they found Steve Perry. They went out and they said they fired their keyboard guy and said, hey, why don't you try Jonathan Kane from the Babies? He's British, whatever. They bring him in at sort of the last minute as they're writing the album Escape. And they've got a couple of good songs on Escape already. And here he comes in to work on Escape. And he sits down and goes, well, I've got an idea for a song. It's called Don't Stop Believing." My dad told me my whole life, don't stop believing. It's what he said to me forever, my whole life. I've got the title and I've got the hook. Here's what it sounds like. And he gets on his piano it's just a small town girl. There you go. And he starts writing. And he goes, don't stop believing. He's playing on the piano for all of them. And they're like, boy, there's something good there. And so Steve Perry and Neil Sean, who's the guitar player, and now the de facto leader of the band, because Steve Perry's gone, uh, says, okay, great. Let's get some more lyrics in here. And they start writing this thing, and they put it together, and, and the rest is history. So Jonathan Kane basically is responsible for Don't Stop Believing, which is the without a doubt, signature song, and the greatest thing Journey has ever done. They play it in stadiums today. Jonathan Kane is a Trump fan. And in November, he went to an event at Mar-a-Lago where he's like, oh, what the hell? I'm friends with Trump. Where's the piano? And he gets up on the piano and he starts playing Don't Stop Believing for everybody. Pretty harmless, except he gets out on social media. Neil Schoen is the guitar guy who runs the band who I thought or have thought in the past is conservative or conservative leaning. I don't think this is a giant political brawl, but there is a personality brawl here somehow. Because I think Sean's been at some events where I think he leans right, but I also think he's pretty guarded about that. Doesn't want any of the fan. Neil Sean's policy is don't let anybody know what our politics are. We're journey. Let's go play our songs. Let's sell tickets. Let's make money. So Neil Sean gets a, a cease and desist order on his bandmate, Jonathan Cain, says, you cannot play any of our songs anywhere at anything political going forward. A cease and desist order. Well, Jonathan Cain is fired back. On Thursday, his rep said, Neil Schoen should look in the mirror when accusing Cain of causing harm to the Journey brand. Mr. Cain has no right to use Journey for politics, is what Schoen had previously said. It's a detriment to the ban, nothing for political or religious agenda. It's a detriment. Kane's response, this is shocking. This is unbelievable. This is what happened after it got out in the press that this was going on. Uh, Jonathan Kane of Journey said of Neil Schoen, who basically runs the band at this point, I have watched him damage our brand for years and I'm a victim of both his and his wife's bizarre behavior. Neil sued Live Nation twice, losing both times, damaged our ability to ever work with them again. Neil outrageously tried to take away trademarks from Steve Perry. Neil and his wife continually insult the professionalism of numerous accountants, road, managements, uh, road managers, and management firms with endless legal threats and their bullying, toxic, and incoherent emails. Neil argues online with fans who don't see eye to eye with him, and Neil and his wife recklessly spend Journey's money until there is none left for operating costs. Jonathan Kane got a cease and desist order on Neil Schoen's Journey American Express card because out on tour, he spent a million dollars on it. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I mean, this is unbelievable what's going on. Despite all this, the band's public statement with the two lead guys having cease and desist orders against each other. Remember, Jonathan Cain is very religious, very conservative. He's the Trump guy. And he's mad that Neil Schoen put a million dollars on the American Express card and has bullied all the road managers and done all this other stuff. They have cease and desist orders against each other, and they've announced they're still going to play 50 concerts in 2023. <laughs> how, 
How do you sit there and look at them and say, oh, yeah, these two guys, they're playing guitar, they're looking at each other, and they've got cease and desist orders against each other. Oh, my God. Woo! That is a wild one. KKHI is brought to you by Advantage Termite and Pest Control online at AdvantageTPC.com. 913-768-8989. So many of you have made the switch. Thank you. You've got pest control at your home, but do you have conservative pest control? I know it matters. We're all trying to do business with people. We should be doing business with people that are like us. We should. 913-768-8989. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. And I mentioned Hutch a little earlier from Amazing Garage Floors. Book your appointment for this spring right now and get that new Amazing Garage Floor online at AmazingGarageFloors.net. Okay, this is pretty cool. Lee Sterling is going to join us, and we're going to go over recap. I'm going to ask him. A week ago, he gave you his bowl picks for Missouri, KU, and K-State. Have they changed? Because we've seen, for example, uh, Alabama has said they're going to play everybody against K-State. Nobody's sitting out. They're playing. They're like, we're not, gonna, we're not losing to K-State in this game. We're not going to get embarrassed by Kansas State. We're winning this game. We're playing everybody. So I'm going to ask Lee how he feels about that. We'll talk a little officiating, and we'll get into all the big important lines in the NFL with Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Hit it! The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. All right, it's time to check in with the Sultan of South Beach, who has gone north for the holidays. Lee Sterling joining us from New York. We had a lot of NFL action to go over and a lot of interesting topics going on in this league. And Lee has a tremendous special for us before we get to all of that. For anyone that wants to sign up the last 10 days of the year here, 97 bucks, 10 days, $97, three sports, football, basketball, baseball. This is going to include a lot, all the, all the boys. Man, this is a great special. Lee, how are you, sir? I'm great. I just want to get everyone involved. Normally, you have to be a monthly or season subscriber, but I just know people are going to be watching games and they love to bet them, and you know they're not maybe ready to sign up for the month of the season. So how about this? Ten days, uh, whenever you want to start it, the next couple days, you're going to get all my NFL plays. You're going to get all my college football bowl games, and there's three, four, five bowl games every single day starting tomorrow, and also, all my basketball and hockey, which we're winning in both sports, we will text you the plays, so you'll get them usually by 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 at the latest on the weekends and weekdays, usually around 1 o'clock. And, I mean, what a value. Listen, $10 a day to watch games and bet on them, and what a run we've had, 14 out of 19 winning weeks this year in the football. So, I think it's a really good card, and weather affected. So, um then we're, we're tracking every single stadium, what the weather is going to be like. It's going to be freezing where you're at. Uh, first time, how about this? Seven games are under the 40. That's right. Seven games are under 40 total points here. Uh, no point totals here above 50 last week. And looks like we're going to go two back-to-back weeks here. Uh, with no totals above 50. And the Saints game, Saints and Browns, the total is at 32 points right now. That's the lowest point total since 2008. So uh, I think we've got some, uh, maybe a, a couple unders, maybe a couple overs. People don't realize the offenses are better and there's some injuries on defense. So we're tracking everything. We're ready to go. 10-day, all three sports, access pass. Just $97, ParamountSports.com. When you get to the website, under Purchase Picks, it's the first option. As soon as you purchase it, we'll see uh, that your name's there and your phone number, and we will text you the plays, uh, like I said, by uh, about 1 o'clock on weekdays and on weekends and holidays by 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. All right, ParamountSports.com or 800-400-9741. How about this little nugget? The Chiefs are saying there could be a difference in field goal range on Saturday of 15 yards compared to a regular game at Arrowhead Stadium, and that's not really wind-related because there can be windy days when it's warm. They're just saying the bitter cold, the deflation that Mm -hmm. happens with the football. Uh, Butker's made what? He made a 64-yarder earlier this year. I'm not sure anybody would even try a 50-yarder at Arrowhead on Saturday. The distance may be 47, 48 yards for the kickers. That alone ought to keep scoring down in a lot of these games. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, look at games like Baltimore, Justin Tucker. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's got range, you know, the same kind of range also. So, yeah, I mean, unless the wind is directly behind you, you know, there's a lot of these stadiums that have a crosswind. You know, like look at Pittsburgh, probably the toughest place to kick field goals there is. So um, that's great. Just a, it's a great weekend. I, I, it's just so sad to see Franco Harris pack, pass away right yeah. before they're going to not only retire his number, they're going to celebrate 50 years with immaculate reception. And people even forget that was the week before they lost to the Dolphins the next week. So some people thought it might have been like the championship. No, it was actually the divisional playoff game. Yeah, it was uh, the greatest play of all time, according to the NFL. They listed their top 50 plays, so it was the greatest play of all time. And we're all saddened by Franco Harris passing. That is a, a really sad deal. Now, one of the big stories last week in the NFL league was officiating. And ever since I've watched the NFL, which is maybe when I was like seven years old, five, six, seven years old, I start remembering NFL games. We've complained about the officiating every year. So it never really gets better. Yep. It never really gets worse. And I'd love for you to discuss what you saw, the problems that we have. And then the second question is, why don't they just go to a system in this league where you can review anything, period? A coach can right. review anything. Why don't they just do that? I think they need to. I think here's what happens. Most of these guys, I'm not saying they're not bright guys and they're doing their best, but the game is just speeded up. I mean, there's guys that are just so fast. Things happen so quickly. And unless they want to put 10 officials and even still, they're going to make mistakes. You're going to have bad calls. And, and there were three games that were really affected. So the Washington Giants game, obviously the interference in the end zone, that affected that game. And uh, helped the Giants hurt the, the Redskins. That was a clear interference. I mean, I, I think they've got to review it and, and maybe, you know, do it on Command Central. Not do it on the field where these officials are watching on these little tiny screens. Do it in the Command Central. Give each team two reviews, a half, and but it's within 60 seconds. If they can't determine within 60 seconds, then you move on. But I think they'd get a, a lot more right than wrong if they did that, and, and the game would improve. And then. Uh, the game that I was at, the Jets game against the Lions, clear interference in the end zone right before the half, and, and the Jets had to settle for a field goal. And then a, a, a three-point game, that determined the game. If they score a touchdown there, ball would have been put in the one-yard line instead of kicking a long field goal, uh, four-point difference. They probably would have won the game. And then there is a play. So sometimes it's not the ones that everyone talks about on TV. It was the Miami game against Buffalo. There is a back judge who's throwing the flag on pass interference before even contact is made. I mean, that was, I don't know if I've seen that maybe two or three other times ever in the history of the NFL. So I, I almost couldn't believe it. it, 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 it they, they, they've got to make it either a full-time position or do something as far as the calls. They did it. Remember they had it for a year or two, pass interference, but it didn't seem like they wanted to to overrule the, the officials. Remember when that was going on yeah. a few years, years back? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so. You know, I wouldn't be a so, I, I, My wife always asked me, why don't they use the college rule 15 yards? I said, because there'd be no deep passes that nobody would ever try right. because right. the defenders would just tackle yeah. the guy and give up the 15 yards. Right. But I do think there might be, it, it might be worth looking into. I wouldn't say just implement this. It might be working, looking into two different degrees of pass interference. One that is spot right. foul and one that would be 15 yards. I think that might be worth looking at. You know, like you grab a guy's hand a little inadvertently or twist him just yep. a little bit, yep. 40 yards downfield. Maybe that's 15 yards. Yep. But you just go up and maul him to make sure he doesn't make the catch. Then you get all those yards. <laughs> I think there might be worth looking at trying to do two different levels. Good good idea. But it seems like most of these owners are defending all the lawsuits and right. trying to just hold on to their team. To, right. Well, that's to true. probably do the right thing. Well, yeah. and they like so, offense. They love, uh -huh. they love 50. Bottom line is the league likes 50-yard penalties because it leads to points. Of course. That's yeah. what they like. So, should, be, should be a great, though, weekend. Let's, let's get back to the, it should be great. To the, uh, All right. the, the task at the end. Okay, before we get to the games here, um, uh, college games last week, we did, we did Missouri. You took Missouri in their yep. bowl game against Wake, Arkansas over Kansas, and K-State over Alabama. We're a week in here. The one that sticks out to me is Kansas State now is playing an Alabama team where it looks like everybody's playing for Alabama. Does that change your mind? And I, I want to make sure nobody sticks to exactly what you said a week ago. As we get closer to the games, call the service or do a little more research, right? I mean, these things are fluid. Yeah, I, I still like all three sides. But like I said when we, when we did the show last week, wait on the Kansas State line. Wait until close to game time. 
the line's just going to go up and up. I mean, we, we might end up getting six and a half, seven, seven and a half points by the time the, the kickoff. All right, there you go. MU, Arkansas, and K-State. Let's go to the NFL, and we will start with yep. Atlanta at Baltimore. Yeah. So <laughs> this this game is, I mean, it's got to be low scoring in my opinion. I don't, I don't know how we're going to see a high scoring game here. Two, I mean, teams that just, they, they can't do anything on offense. Two of these quarterbacks for both teams weren't original starters. Uh, Baltimore can't be trusted to cover this margin. They've only scored two touchdowns in the last three games. Uh, the receivers only six touchdown catches the entire season. Uh, both teams are conservative. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I'm not a big fan of, but I'm not a fan of either the, the Baltimore backup quarterbacks here. So um, Atlanta's alive. I mean, they still are alive in the weekend NFC South division, despite their five and nine record. I had Baltimore winning 16, 13, but Atlanta covering the seven point spread. And that sounds spot on to me. Green Bay somehow still alive at Miami. Dolphins are three point three and a half point favorite. So this line keeps coming down. I mean, this line started at five and a half, six. It's down to three and a half. And I don't get it. I know the Dolphins had a really tough stretch. They had to go on the West Coast and play the 49ers and Chargers back-to-back weeks. And then on the short week, had to play Buffalo in miserable conditions. They didn't get any of the calls. Their offense played well again. I think they're back on track. They scored 29 points in that game. They're 8-6. and six. They want to better their seed, uh, move up in the wild card. They're not going to catch Buffalo. Now they get to catch Green Bay here on the short week. Green Bay has one extra day here. Uh, it's going to be hot in that game here. I think Miami wears them out here. Green Bay just came from playing the Rams, uh, containing Baker Mayfield and the JV group of wide receivers. It's going to be totally different facing uh, the Cheetah here and Jalen Waddle here. I like Miami 30 to 20. We're in lockstep so far. The Chargers and the Indianapolis Colts. Wow, the Colts are a psycho team, and it sounds like they made a change at quarterback, and Matt Ryan is out. Yeah, he's out, but I mean, is, is Foles any better? I, I don't think so. Uh, so much for Jeff Saturday and all that magic. Uh, they give up 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Then they blow a 33-point halftime lead. I mean, they're one and seven straight up, three and five against the spread. No Jonathan Taylor, Justin Herbert. Uh, he's playing at a high level now. Three consecutive 300-yard passing games. He's got his all receivers back in, and and they're finally even their special teams are really good. They used to have trouble. With their kickers, their kickers this year, 26 for 28, and also they made all 32 extra points. I laid a small spot here. Chargers, 27-16. All right, the Bengals are taking on New England. I don't know what New England's got really at the quarterback position, and the Bengals are playing as well as anybody, but I think there's some teams in the AFC would love it if New England could find a way to win. Bengals are the three-point favorite here. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but this line looks, I mean, sneaky. So the Patriots are 7-7. Seven and seven. They're more desperate. Uh, currently, they're on the outside looking in here. Cincinnati goes on the road. Second straight week, they look great in the second half after a slow start against Tampa Bay. But the Patriots put up a really good pass rush with Matthew Judon, who's a Pro Bowl player and underrated on the other side, outside linebacker Josh Uche. So these two guys, I think they're going to come after uh, Joe Burrow, and that's Cincinnati's weakness, their offensive line, giving up sacks here. So... Uh, this might be one of those games where either team wins by like one point, but uh, the spread doesn't come into play here. I, I think they're begging you to play Cincinnati. Don't fall for the trap here. I think Cincinnati's going to win the game here, 24-23, but the Patriots cover. All right, in Kansas City, it will be bitter cold. Seattle coming to town. The Chiefs are a 10-point favorite. They have not been very good at covering double-digit spreads. No. In fact, uh, spreads of seven points or more, 0-5 and 1 against the spread. Since week two, they're ten and three straight up, but an awful two ten and one against the spread. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Number one in passing yards, forty four hundred ninety six yards so far, thirty five touchdowns. But uh, he's going to face a team that's going to play keep away. Seattle, uh, cold weather. You want to run the ball? I think they have a better running attack with Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, they'll play some keep away here, and also Seattle had three days to prepare. Their backs are against the wall. Double digits. Just like we've been saying week after week, way too much. K 
Kansas City wins 34-30, but Seattle covers the 10. Ooh, you like lots of points in this one in the cold. I was thinking maybe this one's going to be low scoring with the weather the way it is. We shall see. Game of the week is Philadelphia at Dallas. Jalen Hurts, it has not been completely announced yet, but it looks like he's likely out of this game, and that makes Dallas a five-point favorite. I guess what we really need to know is who's playing quarterback for the Eagles in this one. So Lee Sterling likes this as his play of the week. If you'd like to give uh, Lee a call, you feel pretty good about this one. Yep. Uh, Real strong opinion on this side here. 800-400-9741. Again, the number 800-400-9741. It's going to be a Dallas blowout or the Philly just keep rolling and finding ways uh, to win and cover. So, 800-400-9741 to get that free play. And if you want to hop on board, the greatest special ever, 10-day, all three sports, all access pass, football, NFL, all the college bowls, NFL playoffs, uh, and like I said, hockey and basketball, 10 days of action, next 10 days, just $97, ParamountSports.com. Lee, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday with your family, and we will talk to you next week. You too, Kevin. Take care. All right. Take care. There's Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. To recap, he's got Atlanta covering against Baltimore. He likes the Dolphins over Green Bay. These are all against the spread. The Chargers over the Colts, New England over Cincinnati, and Seattle over Kansas City with the point spreads. And his game of the week is Dallas and Philadelphia. You can get that by calling 800-400-9741. Lee Sterling's appearance on KKHI brought to you by Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, the jeweler you'll recommend to your friends and family. B-Stock, bstock.net, 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. Save big on anything you plug into the wall or anything that runs on a battery. It's all right there at bstock.net in Olathe. And, of course, the Finch Knife Company, online at finchknifeco.com, available at Shields, the Bullet Hole, and Teague Tractor in Belton. Thanks to our friends at Finch Knife Co. for that. There's your picks from Lee Sterling right here on KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 